for your life. Have you ever heard that before? Well, he does. Um, but God, because he's a sovereign God, and because he um, has created us in his image and likeness, and make us, made us responsible people, people able to respond, and people who are accountable, people who are able to give an account for our lives, he gives us a lot of freedom inside that sovereignty. So in Psalm 40, verse 5, it says, Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. And Jeremiah, in chapter 29, has this to say. He's writing to people in captivity. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God says, I will be found when you seek. I will be found of you and bring you back to this place. So God has a plan and a purpose, but inside that plan and purpose, there's an incredible amount of freedom. Um, so God creates Adam and Eve. He creates Adam and he sticks him in the garden. And then God says, all of these animals, they are now subject to you. And you have the responsibility to take care of them, provide for them, and you give them their names. So God didn't come down and say, okay, now look, uh, Adam, this funny looking thing here, that's a giraffe with the spots. And this big gray thing over here, that's an God didn't do that. He brought the animal and said, I've given you authority and dominion. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to call it? And God does that in our life. There's a, a, a plan and a purpose. And Paul tells us that God's plan for us is that we be in the image of Christ. That's God's plan for your life. That you be the image of Christ. That people will be able to look at you and see the life of Christ in you. That they should be able to go into our homes and see relationship between father and son in the Trinity. They should see that in our homes. That's the kind of thing that he's talking about here. That's God's plan and purpose for us. Now within that, there's a tremendous amount of freedom. And because there's freedom, anytime you have freedom, there's a risk. Isn't there? Because freedom can be ignored. It can be lost. It can be abused. It can be neglected. And that's a real option because that's what freedom is. At the same time, within that freedom, there is responsibility to God, able to respond, and accountability. We give up. He's going to ask us like he asked those guys in the parable, okay? Um, I gave you this talent. You were free to use it however you wanted. What did you do with it? That's God's plan and purpose. He doesn't micromanage us. He says, this is your calling. And within that calling, now it's up to you to live it out. 
under God. And if we draw close to him, he can help us. And he chooses to. And he'll give us guidance and direction as we seek him. Okay, so that brings us back to what Philip was sharing with us and the children were sharing with us this morning. And John's in prison. He's hearing all these things. And um, God had revealed to John that Jesus was the Christ, like Philip reminded us. He saw Jesus and he said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Holy Spirit showed him that and God told him. Now while he's in prison, he's hearing these responses and, and he has questions because John's a man just like the rest of us. He's a human being like all of us. And he's having questions. Is he really? Because Jesus is not coming in the way that even John had expected. And so he's asking. And so he sends his disciples and... Um, Jesus doesn't give him a straight answer, does he? What he says is, look around you and see the results. What's taking place? Uh, blind or seeing, deaf or hearing, lame or walking, dead or being raised, the poor are having the good news preached to them and there's creating a hope and an expectation in people who had none. Go back and tell John that. Well, the story continues. And he says, those born of women, there's no one greater than John. And that's quite a testimony coming from God. Of those born of women, there's been none greater than John the Baptist. But, he says, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's an awesome thing. Are you in the kingdom of God? If Christ is in your heart, Jesus says you're even greater than John. So verse 29, all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's ways was right because they had been baptized by John. And I want to focus in on verse 30. But the Pharisees, the experts in the law, rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. They rejected God's purpose for themselves because they hadn't heard and obeyed. God's word had come. It, it was clear. Uh, wasn't that people didn't know. Wasn't that they didn't understand. It's that they rejected it. Now these were the best of the best. The Pharisees, um, the experts in the law, these were the people who knew the scriptures inside and out, backwards and forward. If you had had a Bible quiz, they would have won every time. <laughs> they would have. They knew the scriptures. They're also the ones who crucified Jesus because they had rejected God's purpose for themselves. That's a pretty serious thing. To reject means to declare invalid, to nullify, to set aside God's purpose, His counsel. The motive of the heart is what he's looking at here. And they had rejected God's purpose for themselves. It wasn't that God's purpose wasn't there. It wasn't that God was out to get these people. It was there. The opportunity was there. They rejected God's purpose for themselves. But you know what? You and I, we do this every time we choose our way 
instead of God's way. We know pretty much how we're supposed to be living. You know, we know what's right and what's wrong. Um, Not according to the law, but according to the Spirit of God, according to the New Testament. Um, He makes it very clear how we should live. Every time we go our own way instead of God's way, we are rejecting God's purpose for ourselves. And there's consequences. Uh, When we do and live according to God's purposes, then we're back to Jeremiah. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to help you, to prosper you, uh, to be with you. And we also know that there's a problem when we reject that purpose for ourselves, then we are in serious trouble. Now, he's not saying that bad things don't happen to good people. But what we're talking about is God's plan and purpose for our life. In the context of the way life is in a fallen sinful world, with the freedoms that he's entrusted to us, uh, there are things that will happen to us. Um, The things that happen to us is not the critical issue. It's the response is the critical issue. It's the looking to God or looking to our own self. Looking to God or to our own resources. Asking for his wisdom or figuring it out on our own. Waiting upon his or saying, well, something's got to be done. And if it's not being done, I guess I need to do something. I need to do something. And over and over again, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, There's a time for activity and there's a time for waiting upon God. And when God speaks and says, now it's time to act, that's when it's time to act and not until. So Adam and Eve, God gives them dominion over the whole earth. Take dominion, rule over it. Um, The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, you're to take care and provide for the garden. You are to fill the earth and subdue it. That's God's plan and purpose for creating people and putting them on the earth. And he put them there. And they knew God's plan and purpose. And there was one command, negative command at that time. All the commands up to this point had been positive. Be fruitful to multiply. Rule the earth. Have dominion. Take charge. uh, Develop. Help it to grow. Help it to mature. Help it to be everything that God created it to be. Uh, One negative command, don't eat the fruit of one tree. But they rejected God's purpose for themselves because they have a better idea. They wanted to be like God. And how had God created them? Like God. You know, people are so, we're so foolish. So, you know, there's a big push among scientific circles are trying to create life, trying to create human life. Well, right from the very beginning, male and female, be fruitful and multiply, you're creating life. Why do you need a test tube? I mean, what purpose is it? Other than man's arrogance and pride. Cain was the same way. God says, um, this is the way to come. Cain had a better idea and ended up bringing a curse upon himself. People of Babel, they had a better idea. Come, let's make a name for ourselves. We don't want to sit here and wait 
for God to give us a name. That's the difference between them and Abraham. And so we can continue on and on. So Isaiah 53 verse 6. Um, Each of us, all we like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has gone his own way. Which means we've rejected God's plan and purposes for ourselves. John tells us in John chapter 1, Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. And Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he says, We speak of what we've seen, we testify to what we know, but you people do not accept our testimony. They've rejected God's purpose for themselves. Later on in John 12, 37 through 43, the summary is that even after Jesus had done so many miraculous signs in their presence, they still did not believe. John 19, 38 says one of the reasons Joseph of Arimathea had not accepted Jesus publicly, he, he did it quietly, didn't want anybody to know, um, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to hide it under, under a bushel. And if you try to do that, one of two things is going to happen. Either the light will go out or the bushel will catch fire. (laughs) And then you can't stop it. (laughs) Joseph thought he could, Joseph of Arimathea, because he he was afraid of the Jews. He was a ruler himself, a ruler of the Jews. He didn't want to lose his prestige or his position. He was afraid people would say ugly things about him. And we don't want people to say ugly things about us. So we will compromise our faith. In John 5, Jesus was criticizing the people who would accept praise from each other, but made no effort to obtain praise from God. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a parable as a a parallel passage in Luke 14. But in Matthew 22... Jesus tells a parable. It's one that we're familiar with. And this is a parable of a wedding banquet. And so um, this is a king. A king prepares a wedding banquet for his son, the prince. Now, if you were in England and one of the English princes was going to be married and you got an engraved personal invitation from the king himself inviting you to come to that wedding. Do you think you would find time to do that? Wow. I mean, that's a pretty prestigious thing. Um, A personal invitation from the king. He prepares a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused. How do you say no to a king? Luke says they began to offer excuses. And he said, look, the the dinner's ready. It's already there. Um, But, verse 5, they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. Uh, One had just gotten married. So they they made all their excuses, you know. Uh, Well, you know, king, that's a really nice thing, but I'm just too busy right now. I don't have time. Can you imagine that? Well, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to, to read scriptures and pray and all that, but, you know, uh, Lord, I just don't have time for you this morning. 
got things to do. Busy man, busy woman, things on the agenda. Lord, sorry, sorry, don't have time. So I'll get back with you when I need something, but I don't have time for you right now. So we can look at these guys and we can say, well, those people in that parable, they were terrible, you know. But that's us. That's us. So he sends more people. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them. Some of them killed some of them. King was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And listen to what he says. In verse 8, the king said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Was it because God said that they were not worthy? No. They had rejected his plan and purpose for themselves. They disqualified themselves by their response or lack of response. This is not something that the king is doing. He's saying, these people I'm going to to persecute them. It wasn't that. He said, the invitation is here. It's a gracious, loving invitation to come and share the joy and to participate in the happiness of the kingdom and the fruits of this kingdom. And they said no. And so they went into the highways and byways and found whoever they could. In 1 Samuel 15... 22, this is when God has graciously picked out Samuel, uh, Samuel as the prophet and he, because of the people's hardness of heart, was the instrument that God used to pick out their first king, uh, King Saul. And Saul, when God found him, was a nobody living in the smallest clan of the smallest tribe in the whole nation, out on the backside of nowhere. And he took this insignificant nobody and he makes him king of the country and gave him everything. Victory in battle, uh, was with him, watched over him, cared for him. And Saul became very arrogant and decided to do things his way instead of God's way, refused to wait um, And so, after a series of events, Saul is going to be rejected as king. And so, one of the things that God spoke to to Saul through Samuel saying was, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken or to heed, to listen, is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft. Arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. In Psalm 40, verse 6, you've got the counterpart to Saul. And this is a psalm of David, and it's a messianic psalm. It applies to Jesus. 
Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced or opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. It's not the liturgy of the worship. It's what's going on in the heart. Verse 7. Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. So what was the difference between the people who accepted Jesus on that day and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who rejected him? It's the same issue that was taking place with Saul and with Adam and Eve in the garden and with Cain and with the people of Babel and with us to the present day. It's found in Psalm 10, verse 4. And in Psalm 10, he's talking about um, people who are wicked. And he says, the, the wicked man is arrogant, and he boasts about his cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. Now verse 4, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. No room for God. I've got all of these things that I want to do with my life. Uh, these are the things that I enjoy and I'm going to pursue them with all my heart. And God, you're not on my list. So, it doesn't make any difference what they say. It's how they live their life. And many people, even in churches today, live lives of practical atheism. We go through our life as if God did not exist until we need Him, until we're desperate, and then we call to Him. And that's what he's saying in Psalm 10. The wicked does not seek after the Lord. In all of his thoughts, there is no room for God. He says the same thing in Psalm 50, verse 17. They cast my words behind you. Um, because, you know, got things to do. Places to go. And so we can put you back on the back burner here, behind us somewhere. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 12 he's talking um, about judgment and salvation in this chapter and he's talking about people who forsake the Lord and spread a table for fortune or destiny look at the horoscope um, you know, got to check things out here spiritually, you know. And so God's response is, I will destine you for the sword, and you will all bend down for the slaughter. Why? For I called to you, God says, you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. So they just had no time to hear 
what God had to say. And they chose what displeases God. Which means that in that process, they're rejecting God's plan and purposes for them, like the Pharisees. In Isaiah 66, verse 4, 3 and 4, He's talking about people. He says, They have chosen their own ways, and their souls delight in their abominations. They, they're enjoying their sin. They've chosen their own ways, which means they've rejected God's. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and they will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight, and chose what displeases me. Same thing that he said in the chapter previously. And so he says, in chapter 65, verse 2, All day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. So God has stretched out his hands. People are stubborn. No, we're going to walk our own way. You know, there's uh, verses in Isaiah that talks about how God was saying, um, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you read on, the response is, they said, we will not walk. No, I don't want to go that way. Jeremiah 35, verse 17 Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring on Judah and on everyone living in Jerusalem every disaster I pronounced against them. I spoke to them, but they did not listen. I called to them, but they did not answer. So instead, they're pursuing their own imaginations. Uh, the things that I want, the things that I have decided is best for me, the direction that I want to go because it feeds a, a hunger within me emotionally or physically. This is what I want to do. And so we bring that on ourselves. In Psalm 81, verses 11 through 12, But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Now, that's a pretty serious thing. God says, because they refused to submit, because they rejected God's plans and purposes for them, they chose their own stubborn way, and God said, okay, go that way. Go that way. And reap the results. And you find this repeated three times in the first chapter of Romans. Uh, people knowing God, uh, knowing who he is, knowing what he wants, but each choosing to go their own way, professing themselves to be wise, and it's important to be wise among people, isn't it? We want people to think that we're wise. Um, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they began to worship and serve created things more than the Creator.
So they began to, you know, they were still worshiping. They just were worshiping God. So that's the way things were. So the summary of all of this can be found, one of the summaries can be found in the book of Jonah. In chapter 2, verse 8. And we'll back up to verse 7 because this is Jonah's testimony, part of his testimony. God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh, if you remember that. But Jonah hated those people. They were his national enemies. And there was a history there. And these were the people that were going to come and destroy his country. And Jonah hated them. God said, I want you to go to those people and I want you to witness to them. And Jonah said, no. So God had called him to go across land and go up to Nineveh. Jonah took a ship and headed west. He was going to make sure that there was no way he's going to do the will and purpose of God. He chose to go that way. And so you, you all know the story, the storm. And then finally, as a result of the storm, they toss him into the ocean. And as soon as he hits the Mediterranean Sea, this big, huge fish comes along and swallows him. And he who doesn't have time to hear God's word or has time to think or pray or anything else, now he's in the belly of a fish way down swimming in the sea somewhere and he's got nothing but time. And so, and he's a stubborn man. took him three days. After three days, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. What does it take for you? What does it take for me? When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And the grace of God is this. God heard and answered his prayer. That's, that's just grace. Here's a man in rebellion, doing exact opposite of what God told him to do because he knew the nature and character of God. He knew God so well that he rebelled against God and went his own way. And now, when he's about to die, oh yeah, God can help me here. This is his conclusion. And it's a conclusion that's true, but he himself, though he knew it to be able to write it down, did not live it. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. It's there. God's plan and purpose, it's there for you. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit. They go their own way. Like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they rejected God's purpose for their life. Man, my life is miserable. Well, why is it miserable? Who made it that way? I'm so unhappy here. Where does the unhappiness come from? Now we can blame everybody else and everything else, but it's going to boil down to your relationship to God. And when our relationship with God is what it should be, the circumstances, the situations, what other people do, think, say, becomes less important. Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish, wasn't thinking, what will people think about me if I get out of this fish and go tell them? 
That's not what he was thinking. That wasn't a high priority on his mind. So John chapter 1, and this is where we'll close. Verses 11 and 12. It's talking about Jesus. And he says, He came to that which was own, but his own did not receive him. Pharisees, experts in the law. They rejected God's plans and purposes for themselves. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, God's plan and purpose for every one of us. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. People have nothing to do with this. It's between you and God. And if we receive him, accept God's plan and purpose for yourself, then a miracle takes place and God begins to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, our lives begin to be filled with grace, regardless of the circumstances or situation. Outwardly, things may not change. Inwardly, there is a world of difference. And that's the important thing. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for people of faith that have gone before us. People like Abraham who believed God and it was counted as righteous before God. For people of Jesus' day who said, what must we do to do the works of God? And he said, it's an easy thing. Believe in the one that God has sent. That's the work of God. Lord, we pray that you would help us to receive your plan and purpose for our lives and the freedom that brings to grow and develop, to bring life and hope and happiness, security and peace to those around us. And we ask, Lord, that you would work that within us today as your people. In Jesus' name, amen.